Come with me and you'll be in a world of cinematic adventures. Oh, welcome back to Cinematic Adventures. Continuing with Black History Month. Today, we're talking The Last Dragon and my guest is Never show JKA the people's champion baby. We do what it do. I don't know what the hell you just said. What? <laughs> it's Nimbus Yosh. Ooh. Nimbus Yosh. The people's champion. Nimbus Yosh. Bless you. Okay. So <laughs> why did you pick The Last Dragon? The Last Dragon. Well, personally, it's my personal favorite movie of all time. Hands down, bar none. Now, how it pertains to Black History Month. Pretty much The Black Dragon First of all, it's one of the first "quote unquote" superhero movies, but it's more of a kung fu movie. Did you and just realize that you renamed it the Black Dragon? I've I've been messing that up <laughs> so many times, you know, trying to rehearse what I want to say. But uh, the Last Dragon is like one of the first superhero movies. It's it's a kung fu musical comedy, and it's a mouthful. It, it is. It is. I was about to be nasty. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> I mean, oh the, the story, I, tell. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the reason why I want to talk about this is because, you know, the, the creators of this movie was real smart. They put the black people in this movie, you know, and you have your hero, but the hero, you know, he was, he didn't come up from the hood and was doing drugs or selling drugs or anything, no criminal element. And, you know, it's not one of those slavery porns where it's just like suffering, suffering porns where, you know, the dude had to bring, bring himself up out of, you know, poverty to, to make it in the world. It wasn't one of those capitalist dream stories. It was a regular degular dude that was a real big fan of Bruce Lee and wanted to emulate Bruce Lee in every way and actually started studying Kung Fu. And it kind of like, it jumps from there. You know, first scene, you know, he's in a dojo, you know, doing uh, Kung Fu moves and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's not like your usual, you know, story where you got a guy, he's walking through the hood and you see all kinds of trash and rats on the ground and junkies and whatever. It's, it's a, he starts off in a dojo and that sets the pace of the movie. This is a Kung Fu movie set in 1985 new york yes okay so a couple of things first of all mm -hmm. i appreciate the fact that he actually is doing like real martial arts moves right. unlike like the karate kid where they just like not not the karate kid but um oh, what was that movie oh oh sean so my co-host sean his absolute favorite of all the defenders iron fist Mm -hmm. <laughs> he hates that so much um, uh, because it's I've like only seen dude. a little bit of it oh you, well you don't really want to watch more it's like it's not <laughs> the main character the guy who plays the main character mm -hmm. Sean is livid because he's like the dude can't do a horse stance and that's like the that's the second thing you learn. So it's like, how do you not know what to do? You can't even do a horse stance. It, yeah, it was terrible. Like it's so cringy when you see martial arts movies they can't do any kind of martial arts. But uh -huh. this one, I was like, oh, he's actually doing like actual martial arts. Like, I appreciate that. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, they they pretty much picked up Taimok off the street and he was a martial artist first mm -hmm. and it didn't really have any acting lessons before going into this movie. But Which he's is amazing because I've just watched Foxy Brown the other day and mm -hmm. literally she is the only person in that movie who acted at all. And I was just like, 
holy damn. So I didn't even notice this dude didn't have any acting chops. Like he did perfectly fine. Right. And I watched a couple other reviews and they say like how bad his acting is. No, he was, he was supposed to be Bruce Lee. He was, yeah, he was supposed to be awkward like that though. Right. That was the character. I like, I I don't know. Maybe they were uh, like thinking that like his character was supposed to be something different, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't like, that was how his character is supposed to be this like fish out of water, out of touch with the rest of the, with the rest of his society. Naive, not street smart, something exactly the opposite of somebody who is usually from New York. Right. Right. So, and, and I think he nailed it. So I feel like that's exactly what his character was supposed to be. And that's what he was. Exactly. But um, the outside of the movie, you know, he studied all Kung Fu, Aikido, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Shotokan Karate. He he was a martial artist way before he was an actor. And they, Billy Blanks was actually supposed to play his part, but Billy Blanks turned it down. Billy yeah, I'm actually kind of glad because... <laughs> This would not have been the same movie. Have you seen um, the Billy Blanks movie? Because there was like one that I saw a long time ago, and it wasn't that great. Wasn't I? I this is my shocked face. What? Billy Blanks <laughs> yep. can't act. What? <laughs> um. So, have you seen his infomercials? Like, come on, man! Yes, he can't I even did. act to sell his own shit. Like, I was, I was actually gonna buy Tybo if it wasn't like two hundred dollars for the full set. I, I, I did. Oh yeah, I'm, you know I'm into martial arts as well. We it was the early well, 2000s. It was a long time ago. Okay, let me look. Long time. Um, <laughs> long dude, time. Then, like back then, you could not you could not throw a rock without hitting a Taibo studio in LA. Like, wow, there he was everywhere, everywhere. There was like a Taibo studio. It's just like Zumba yeah, became, yeah. or like yoga is now. Like there was a Taibo studio in every corner. Mm-hmm. So and I was like, rather than paying somebody like $75 a month to go learn it, I'm just going to pay like 200 bucks, have the whole thing, you know? <laughs> right. To me, that was cheaper. So, um, exactly. yeah, I did. I did do that. Uh, but anyway, um, the other thing that I like about this movie is that it actually takes place in the 1980s. The reason why mm-hmm. I say that is because there's so much nostalgia porn going on right now. Oh man. Specifically for the eighties. Like, and after you watch, you know, wonder woman, the first thing that I noticed in wonder woman, 1984, I was like, okay, whoever directed this movie does not remember 1984. Cause like I'm picking shit apart left and right. I was like, I was alive then you never had like the, in the one scene in the Mm -hmm. food court, you had people drinking. Like, I know it's a nitpick, but still, You had people drinking out of these like huge, basically what's like an extra large soda, like an extra large soda for like a fountain drink. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, first of all, back then, most people drank out of cans or bottles. And if you did happen to drink out of one, out of like a, like a, like one of those like paper cups or like, you know, the the ones that you get like from a restaurant, right? those were, they weren't rare, but they were, you seldom drank that. Most people still drink out of a can or they drank out of a bottle, or you just get like an open cup and you just pour it in there. Or if you did have one of those, it was a small today. We didn't have giant sizes back then. Like the biggest size you could get was a large, but that was the equivalent to our medium. Right. Sizes have gone up tremendously. And then I'm looking at these like huge plates of food and I'm like, you would have gotten a third of that in 1984. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, y'all did not do any research. And then there was like not one girl or boy, like there was not one black person with a jerry curl. They, had, <laughs> they basically, one. yeah. They And like, I, I feel like there was like 
one afro and i'm like okay the 80s were still there are still people who were not letting go of their afros okay you had plenty of people on the streets who still had an afro just like in this movie right right you had tons of people with jerry curls and then other people who were like i don't really care what the fashion is i'm gonna do my own thing well and- i mean you know you look at who made uh wonder woman 1984 i doubt very seriously they knew very many black people at least back then maybe now but not back then. And we don't we don't really talk about Jared Carl like that anymore. You know, well, that's yeah, but I mean, it was a well-known we thing. I mean, just watch any movie. Like, like look, that's what I'm saying. Watch any movie from the 1984, right? right? And then, like, the girl's hair. I feel like they, what they did was they just gave everybody, like, the standard white girl's hair. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. black women weren't doing that. <laughs> like, And nope. they, only, I think they had, like, one or two people with shoulder pads. I'm like, okay, nine out of ten women we're walking around like football players. Like, you know, <laughs> my mom had a closet full. Uh, yeah. We used to get them sewn into the jackets. Yep. It was, Cause like that, the business executive jacket was like, you just throw that on over a, over a dress. And that became like, it wasn't evening wear, but it was like, um, it was like business clip. attire. Yeah. And like every single person, like everyone had, every woman had them um, like sewed into the jackets. And I'm like, okay, you can't have like one person with so- with shoulder pads and be like, that's the 80s. No, the 80s is like everybody. And then like even the Asian characters, like they didn't, I feel like they just took like the white haircut and then put it on everybody. And I'm like, uh-uh, that's not how that worked. <laughs> it didn't look like that. And in this I mean, movie, when I see Vanity. For, for nitpicking, but it is a comic book movie. That's what we do yeah but i mean that's what we uh, so then like um you know when this movie like actually happens in the 80s i'm like that's the 80s thank, like, thank you for being of your time the most amount <laughs> and like to see vanity's hair like teased out to the sky i was like that's the big hair 80s that's the 80s mm-hmm. and then debarge oh my god i love this movie it's so like like that's actual 80s thank you but can we just Yes. Leave it there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And like the the first time you see the girlfriend, she looks like Rainbow Bright. I was like, oh my god, this is so the eighties. <laughs> exactly. She she looked like one of Cindy Lauper's cousins. She oh my gosh, she did. The first when I saw the trailer, I was like, is that Cindy Lauper? And then I watched it, I was like, no, that's Rainbow Bright. Like, oh damn. <laughs> Which by right. the way, if y'all know who it is, look it up. <laughs> Bright colors and that that room that Eddie Arcadian was in his apartment. That was just, that, all of that was out of the sharper image back then. Yep. Sky Mall. Sky, yes. <laughs> yes. That's where you got the latest trades, man. Exactly. <laughs> I love, I want a home like that. I I'm, I also love the fact that I'm watching a movie where there there's no internet and there are no cell phones. At all. So it's like, if you show up, if you want to find somebody, you have to find, you have to figure out where they go and show up either at their job or school or where they live. And well, you if you get, get there the and they're not there, the only thing you can do is maybe call them if you like call the next place or you just have to go to the next place or you have to wait till they come back around. Like think of the yeah. freedom that that, like think of how, how <laughs> we were back then. Is it the freedom? Think of the hey, you were supposed to be here at 8:30. Oh, I forgot. Nah, you can actually call the motherfuckers. You can actually if somebody ever like if I'm doing a podcast and somebody flakes out on me, I'm gonna call them. Hey, you supposed to be here at 12 o'clock. Where are you? Uh uh, I don't know, man. I ain't wanted. No, no. Get on the podcast. Let's go. 
See, and people had so much more patience back then because right. if somebody was late like five minutes, then you're like, oh, they're five minutes late. But you don't automatically like get all pissed off. Like, how come you didn't tweet me or DM me or text me or whatever the fuck? Like, it was that's, just that's waiting we had, longer. That's, <laughs> like, that's, that's what you did. Yeah. Our phones now. I mean, we have computers in our pockets now. You know, yeah. there's no reason for all that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Okay, so I I was easily able to figure out how old I was when because I'm watching this movie and I was like, I wonder how old I was when this movie was actually happening. Shortly after see after thinking that they show a scene where he's at his family's um kitchen uh-huh. and there's Rudy. There's Rudy. And I was like, Well, that's how old I was. She's a year younger than me. Exactly. She's my age. <laughs> so like that's my frame of reference. I was like, all right, I was a little girl. I was I was seven when this movie came out. I still remember my uncle took me to see that movie in the movie theater. And it, it, like people were cheering in the movie theater and everything. It was great. It was a great experience. And I'm old enough to remember that. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it. I'm pretty sure this is not the first time I've seen it. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember when I saw it. I probably saw it on cable one day because that tends yeah, to it be. It came on, a, especially on HBO. It came on a lot. Yeah, I used to watch. See, I'm I have always been the type to have like all the channels. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> I probably did. Me too, but we ain't pay for it. But don't tell nobody. <laughs> now, my my mom was uh, big on like 90,000 TVs and she had to have every single channel there was, because if not, she would be like, what the hell am I paying for? Right. It's just and then I got used to it because I grew up that way. So mm-hmm. then as an adult, I was like, I don't need all these channels. And like I, I actually had to be talked into it because originally I was just like, I get everything because that's you know, that's what you do, right? right? And then um I had roommates that were like, Why are we paying for all these channels on cable? Like we don't even watch that. And I'm like, What do you what do you mean? What are you, what are you talking about? When you grow up with <laughs> them, you get used to that, you know. Why wouldn't you until you start paying for it? Why wouldn't you have all? No, even when I was paying for them, but they were they were like split. You know, we were all splitting it, and um, they were like, "Why do we have all these channels?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Because like to me, like the concept of like there's something you want to watch. So I I listened to them and I downgraded to just you know the things that we watch and drove mm-hmm. me crazy to be able to see something that it's like if you're scrolling through and like you never watch the animal channel, but now you're like, oh, that killer whale documentary looks pretty good. Oh, but you don't have the animal channel. You have to subscribe. Like I lose my shit. I'm like, no, if I can see it, I want to be able to see it. Yeah, that <laughs> if sounds I can like read the description, just I want to put it on there and it's there. Right. I mean, I feel you, but I'm a cord cutter. I'm a cord cutter advocate. You feel what I'm saying? Like I don't watch a lot. There's a lot of channels that I hate, especially in the the 2000s, where just about every channel was reality shows. Oh, a reality show for everything. I'm I'm not I'm not watching this. What what's that one where Honey Boo Boo was on it? Um, I don't know. Before she got her own show, pageant uh pageant kids or whatever. No, I'm not watching that. That's that that looks gross and sus to me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a bit. I'm not big on reality TV. I watched the very first episode of Survivor, which, as far as I know, is the first reality TV show. And, no, um, or was it the real by world? A long shot. Well, uh, well, anyway, it's the first one I remember being aware of. Aside from the real one, oh, okay. I think the real, the real world, world came out first. It's the first one that got real, really popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did watch the Real World. 
Um, but we didn't know it wasn't real at the time. <laughs> and then I watched, I remember watching the first, the first episode of Survivor after the uh, Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. I was pissed because the show's called Survivor. And they're just like, oh, if you lose, we vote you off the island. And I'm like, so nobody dies? And so I was out. I don't want to be called Survivor if there's if everybody's going to live. And I was just be really dystopian if they actually <laughs> Where people die, like like those 80s schlock movies where you know you had people that actually died you know that's <laughs> right before the corporate apocalypse where you know everybody own well to me the corporations own everybody and the only restaurant is taco bell that's like right <laughs> before that oh my god we became uh, we became demolition man damn close holy shit damn close in about 20 more years your boy's gonna get unfrozen Wow. Oh yeah, <laughs> that movie was awesome. Like, as soon as you said Taco Bell, I'm like, we did not actually become Demolition Man. And that's this that's is... exactly what I referenced. Oh wow! I could have referenced the three seashells, but you know, well, this is depressing. Okay, so let's go back to the 1980s when life wasn't quite so sad. We had far more hopes for our future when people were saying things wow. like, "Hey, you guys are the future," and and we didn't know that you know that we wouldn't have one. So yeah, back to the 80s. Back when Whitney, Whitney Houston was a bright-eyed teen. Had no idea that she was drug addict. No idea that crack was whack. No idea. Future sucks. <laughs> if I could tell my seven-year-old self anything, it would be don't do it. And I'd be like, what? Don't don't leave this. Man, if I could tell my seven-year-old self anything, I'd be telling, look, first of all, there's this stuff called Bitcoin. Okay? <laughs> you want to buy as much of that as you want. Pat Oswalt had a, a a great set where he talked about uh what was it he talked about like iPods or whatever it was like it, it think of every song you've ever heard in your entire life okay fit that into something the size of a credit card and that's only a third of how much it can hold mm-hmm. how much is it they give them away <laughs> they're free what you're paying fifteen dollars for a CD right now ha ah! Give away these things. Oh, man. I uh, Oh, this reminds me, though, of uh, plastics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from uh, was it the Mrs. Robinson movie? Oh, The Graduate. Kept talking about plastics. Anywho. OK, so back to Ooh. The Last Dragon or The, the Black Last Dragon, Dragon, as you wanted to call it. Well, there is a, a there's actually a new movie coming out. Uh, it's a Disney movie called The Last Dragon. And that angers me because there's the, the last dragon happened in 1985. Who is this new last dragon chick? What is going know. on? I don't know. But that's a that's another side tangent topic. I don't even know anything about it. I just know it's called the last dragon when I was looking it up. Pissed you clean off. Upset. Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> How <Okay>. dare you? <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So I liked the fact that there was there were a lot of like cool not really cameos they were just side characters who were nobody then but end up becoming somebody like Mm -hmm. Keisha Knight Arnie Reyes Jr. is in this yeah I was wondering if you were going to notice that I the minute he came on screen I'm like that little kid looks familiar and then he says Mm -hmm. stuff and I'm like is that Arnie Reyes Jr. and then he like beats that kid like he beats the grown man I'm like that's totally Arnie Reyes Jr. (laughs) that's actually Arnie Reyes Jr. and Arnie Reyes Sr. where was Arnie Reyes Sr.? Ernie Ray Sr., like, remember when, uh, not after, not the first fight, but the second fight where the guy, uh, where he was, like, kicking him and did, like, a flip over him or whatever and did the little uh, breakdancing move and kick his nuts? That's mm-hmm. his dad. Oh, okay. 
So yeah, I didn't really see them. <laughs> they did well. the same thing on Oprah uh, when they were promoting the movie. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, Oprah. With the oh, big hair back, back then Oprah and the giant like microphone. Yep. She, they were competition back then. Yep. Wow. Memory lane. <laughs> Memory lane. Wow. Us old folks, pass me my Metamucil. <laughs> Shut up. Not that old yet. <laughs> Anywho. Ah. <laughs> These oh old gosh. bones still kicking. That's all I have to say about that. Speaking of kicking. Segway. Speaking of kicking. Yep. The last dragon. Yep. Okay. So. What else you liked about it? Let's talk about the actual story. Mm-hmm. First of all, I liked the fact that they the stories parallel the old Bruce Lee movies. Right. Where like when show I can't believe this when show enough walks uh-huh. in, he always puts on these glasses that look like the Japanese flag. Right. And he's like he's show enough like Shogun as in like right. the Japanese power that comes in. The Shogun of all of them. Right. And then um and then the, the protagonist is learning kung fu, which so is Chinese. it's the right, which is Chinese. So, and if you ever, for those who don't watch old Bruce Lee movies or even old Jet Li movies, because he redid some of them, a lot of them, or at least a, quite a few of them, uh, Japan is the enemy for because they take place during that time when Japan was invading China, mm-hmm. and Japan was like really, really mean to them. So, right. understatement. It, yeah, so um, Japan is like, they always have these huge, big dudes. Sometimes they'll even bring in like a British or American white boy that's like just huge. And he'll be like invincible. And they'll get to a point where like Bruce Lee or Jet Lee, whichever character you're going by, uh, or whichever actor you're going with, um, they can beat everybody in their camp, but they couldn't beat this one dude. And that one dude almost killed them. But then in the final fight, they, you know, find something deep within and then they win. And so that's pretty much that, this movie. The hero's <laughs> journey. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of anime ripped off this movie. Even oh though ripped off a whole bunch of Kung Fu movies, a lot of anime, yes. like the ending when the dude gets the glow, you know, spoiler alert, by the way, for this 35 year old movie, um, <laughs> When he gets the glow and he starts glowing gold, I'm like, that's Goku. You know, as soon as a matter of fact, as soon as I saw Dragon Ball Z and I saw him go Super Saiyan, I'm like, he's got the glow. How come no one else is talking about this? This is <laughs> the, the, the first dude to go to Super Saiyan was Bruce Leroy. I love the name Bruce Leroy. That's great. Bruce, it was a and, and I had to look up some like some of the old slang that they were using. What they uh, call um, Richie called Bruce Leroy. Uh, the Cooley Mooley King, and mm-hmm. for a while, like when I was a kid, I thought like Cooley. Okay, I thought that was just like he was just like making fun of him not being cool or whatever. No, mm-hmm. Cooley Mooley King. Well, a Cooley is a derogatory term for Asian migrant workers, right? Mm-hmm. And Mooley is Italian for black, which is also a slur. So he called him two slurs at once. <laughs> and I didn't even understand what that meant until about an hour ago. They use a lot of those old slang terms over there. And the in- the insults are amazing. You know, those old. Oh, my gosh. Every time, time his brother called dozens something. Dozens of insults. Yeah. And you, you bean Rick James looking fool. I love it. <laughs> Love his it. brother was the king of insults though. Like every <laughs> time he never once said his name he was like come here chopsticks and was like, you would think he was like the older brother who was gonna bully him it was like this little kid mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, Asian yellow peril. Is it so great. the funniest part of the whole movie? Exactly. That's what I was telling you. Don't take the movie. It is not a serious movie. No, but it's, it's, it's fun. It's good. Like usually it's not Oscar worthy or anything like that. It was a fun romp and a love story to old Kung Fu movies. Yeah. On its uh, at least it, on its surface. On its surface. Yeah. Below the surface, it's uh it was a not necessarily a critique, but more like a, a I the word that keep come to me is gender bending. It's kind of like a race bending. You know, you have the black dude that's acting like an Asian guy. Uh, you have the white dude that's, well, excuse me, you have the Jewish dude that's acting Italian. Don't you forget have another the black, black guy. The black family running an Italian store or Italian restaurant. Exactly. <laughs> Directed your pizza to Daddy Green's pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one main thing I want to touch on watching it, you know, now, all like the main characters, business owners. Okay. Uh-huh. It's one thing that that isn't talked about in any of the reviews that I showed. You have Bruce Leroy, who owned a martial arts studio. Mm-hmm. You have Laura Charles, who had her own show, kind of like American, not American, like Soul Train or whatever. And you had Show Nuff. He was the leader of a gang. All these people, they weren't underlings. Okay. They they owned things. They they were they were owners. They were owners of businesses and so on and so forth. Yeah. And any other movie, you know, any other movie where you have like a black protagonist or whatever, they're always an underling. They're always the the, the under underdog hero who came from nothing and had to, you know, do this and that and the third. These guys, money-wise, they were owners. And mm-hmm. you look at, like I said, you name another movie where black people are like that. You know, name another movie where black people like that. And it isn't the sole focus of the movie. And they were owners at something that's not like they weren't drug dealers or anything. Like they Mm -hmm. were owners of things that aren't stereotypically black things. They were like they owned a pizza place. They Mm -hmm. owned a dojo, you know. Right. They were default people. They were if this was like a white person, this movie probably wouldn't have went anywhere because, you know, you, you plop a white person into a movie like this, they own a dojo and nobody thinks about it. You know what I'm saying? Because they're like the default person. Whereas in The Last Dragon, you know, here's a black guy that they just plop into the movie and he's a default person. And the only time they really reference it is comedically. And I love that about this movie. He was allowed to be a person versus his blackness being a characteristic that was focused on. You don't see that yes. a lot in movies at all in general, much less like at all, yeah. much less back then. I, I I kind of feel like it's worse now than it was then. They, Hollywood feels like they need to make up for it. There's a there's the trope called the uh, what is it? The magic Negro. OK, for a long time, if a black person was in a movie, well, first, first, if a black person was in a movie, they were a slave or they were the help. They wanted to catch up. So they made all the black people magical. They were always whimsical, witty, you know, had forethought that Bagger Vance, the Green Mile, you know, all those. You had your magic Negroes that dispensed all the wisdom. The gay people are the ones are the magic Negroes now. You know, if Peel gay- did a thing on that. You, if you remember seeing that, they did I a sketch so. where um, it was no matter what happened, like there was the they had a, an old black dude, kind of like Legend of Bagger Vance, mm-hmm. where like a white dude would just like white people would just walk up to him and they would just like dispatch this like 
nonsense wisdom. And the white people got it. They just <laughs> got it. It was like, oh my God, you changed my life. And he was just saying anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's like the trope though, you know? That or we die first in the horror movies. Um, which is hilarious to me because in real life, we're the ones getting the fuck out of there first. Mm-hmm. So how are you gonna die if you're not there? Oh, don't be the on horror movies. God damn. It's like um who was it? If Cedric you're black and you're not a rapper, you're dead. Yeah. Or you win, or you win. That's the only two options you have. You're either dead in the first five minutes or you're gonna win the movie. You're gonna beat the monster. Okay, aside from a Key and Peel movie, or aside from a Jordan Peel movie, when mm-hmm. did black people win the movie? In a horror movie? Uh-huh. Name three. Buster Rhymes, Night Buster of the Living Rhymes. Dead. Buster oh, Rhymes. What movie? I haven't seen his version of Night of the Living Dead. No, Buster, no, 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 no. Buster Rhymes wasn't in Night of the Living Dead. There was a, a, a horror movie where Buster Rhymes was in it, uh-huh. and they thought he died, but he didn't, and he wound up killing the monster. Oh, okay. Which brings up the other part of the trope. You have to be a rapper. Oh, it, you you meant the Buster Rhymes one, and then, okay, got you. Right. Um, right so. if, you're, if you're a rapper, you uh-huh. cannot die in a horror movie. There's no rappers that die in a horror movie that wasn't all black. Okay. Okay, so, so the two that I remember, because I, I am not in any way a big horror movie fan. There's uh, Buster Rhymes, he survived. And uh, what was the other one? I say Night of the Living Dead. Dead. Yeah. You know, but the then, black okay, guy, but does black, that count though? Because didn't they all die at the end? Like, didn't everybody that, well, Night of the, the first Night of the Living Dead, spoiler alert for like a 60 year old movie. <laughs> um, like the black dude lasted to the end, but he got shot in the head because a cop thought he was a zombie. Yeah, that's what I mean. So he still died. He still died, but he made it to the end of the movie is what I'm saying. Like I said, the only two options, oh, excuse me, the only three options, my bad, you die in the first five minutes, you make it to the end and you die, or you win. There is no there is no middle, unless you're Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson got ate by the shark in Deepest Bluest. I think that's the name Deep, of this. Uh, Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea, yeah. Yeah. He got ate but by the shark. But that was, honestly... That still follows the five minute rule because even though it wasn't five minutes into the movie, he had only been in the movie about five minutes. Mm. So it still works. Right. You're right. Black people have a special place in movie tropes and it's that bullshit. And the last dragon bucked all those, all those traits just bucked at the whole thing. Yep. It was beautiful. They even had the Asian guys acting like stereotypical black guys. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I love that. And like, Technically, the only people who acted like stereotypical, the only black people who acted like stereotypical black guys were the little brother and his friend. Everybody right. else was just like they just lived their normal lives and they didn't exactly. <laughs> they weren't concerned with like jive talk and all that, except for show enough. But he's also crazy. So show and show that yeah. he was he was over the top, like he chewed every scene to a pulp and I loved it. But that's oh that's what are the big evil bad guy is supposed to do. He's supposed to yeah. be lodged in life. And he went, he took the Japanese samurai and I don't, I don't know what a, a pimp, maybe. I don't know. He took a Japanese samurai and a pimp mixed them together. And that was showing up and it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, but that was, that was pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. That's but how many black people, you know, practice Kung Fu like that in back in the eighties. Oh, back in the eighties. None. Yeah. Like now, of course, you know, I practice Kung Fu, but back in the eighties, no, not, not at all. You didn't see black people in the hood practicing Kung Fu uh, unless it was right after the Saturday morning Kung Fu specials. I used to watch them though. I used to watch, uh, like I watched Bruce Lee as a kid 
Mm-hmm. And then as a well older kid, I guess, because I was you know the teenager, I guess I would watch mm-hmm. uh, Jet Li and Russell Wong. Ah, so I grew up watching those because Russell Wong was in a TV show from China from oh, I feel like a hundred years ago where he, I think it was like Rising Sun, and I watched it every week on TV like I couldn't wait. <laughs> it was one of my favorite shows, right? And I was like maybe 13, 14 or something. So, um, and he was just, oh, he was, he was everything. He was, it was so hot to me then. Yeah, when I was a teenager, I was, I was consuming anything, anything with martial arts in it. When the Power Rangers came out at first, I'm like, I'm not about to watch this goofy shit. It's for kids. But then I saw it was like a whole bunch of, you know, uh, Japanese style Sentai action with Kung Fu and everything. I'm like, oh yeah, let me get into this real quick. And I did and I got, semi big into uh the power rangers they had it the the mid 90s was great for a whole bunch of just schlocktacular kung fu action like the renegade kung fu the new uh the new journeys yeah i didn't watch any of that uh, stuff acapulco heat even baywatch you know, had a bunch of kung fu in it every so Baywatch often. had kung fu in it. Oh yeah, like Bay- and Baywatch Nights was real big into there. All kind of fights and whatever. Uh, I didn't watch any of that stuff. But it was it was real schlocky and it was terrible. But it was it was great for me because I liked that sort of shit. Yeah, during that time is when I was watching like Jet Li and Russell Wong. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching the Shaw Brothers. Um, Shaw uh, from China. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. the all the all the really badly dubbed kung fu movies. <laughs> where, of... That's where the Wu Tang Clan got, came from, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the the whole Wu Tang shtick came from you know the the Saturday matinees of kung fu movies that was easily licensed by the uh, by the urban theater companies, and it, it, they watched them. All the time. Now there wasn't, you know, big and bombastic like in, you know, The Last Dragon, where people like throwing popcorn and everything. But that's what you that's what the movie you could watch for like a dollar. You go pay a dollar, watch a movie. You know, it was it was great. It was a great time to be alive back then. Okay, so that theater scene at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had so much patience when he was just sitting there, like watching the movie around him. I was exactly. like, man, I because that's that's the one thing. Like, you don't fuck with the movies, you right? Don't fuck with the movies, especially around black folks. Ah, especially was... around black, like everybody was like, you know, yelling at the screen or whatever. But you don't disturb the movie. <laughs> yeah, like, like okay, like the perfect example of that was before Shonuff came in, because mm. Shonuff ends up entering and like disrupts everything, and they don't even stop the movie. Like they keep the movie playing. And he just he's just there to be an asshole, basically. But yep. it's like the typical villain entrance of like, I'm just here to be a dick and just show that I'm the big dick. But before that, somebody I don't know why, because it makes no damn sense. But they decide to bring out a boom box and turn it on. They put it in the middle of the aisle and turn it on and start dancing. It's like popping and locking out of nowhere. Yeah. And my favorite part was the part, the guy who just jumps on it and <laughs> destroys the whole thing. I was like, yes, you deserve it. I still have absolutely no idea why they put that in the movie, but it was hilarious. Oh, uh, no, it was infuriating. I was like, oh, 
<laughs> who the hell do you think you are? You know, and on top of that, it's like New York City. Like, I hope they beat your ass. Oh, now see, now thinking about that, that might have taken me out of the immersion <laughs> because <laughs> in New, I, I can only imagine in New York if your phone goes off, somebody's trying to throw punches. So if you bring right? a big ass fucking boombox and start start break dancing in the middle of goddamn aisle, you are not leaving that theater alive. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so that scene infuriated me. And then I was like, yeah, they got it when they like just destroyed the boombox, which those things were like, and that's not easy. Like, cause okay, you gotta remember this is the 80s. Things were right. not made of plastic back then. That shit was like real, everything was metal. <laughs> so that was corrugated steel. Destroying <laughs> that like took some effort. Like a normal person would have bounced off it and broke their leg or some shit. Mm-hmm. So those things were PlayStation expensive. They were <laughs> yeah. five, six hundred dollars in eighties money. Yeah. So yeah, to see that move, I was like, "Ooh, damn! They got all the way through it." Like, because that's another thing. Like, when I think people don't realize when you watch like seventies, eighties movies, and they crash, and then both people just get out of the car and start run- start running, it's because mm-hmm. those were cars back then, like <laughs> real vehicles, and they were made of steel. And see, mm-hmm. steel can hit steel. And the steel crumples, but the people are fine. <laughs> they yeah. can get out and run. But yeah. nowadays, you crash the car and you're going to the hospital. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody might not even make it. I don't understand how we have supposedly more safety measures and less actual safety. Well, it, they make cars to where they crumple in the right way. Because in those steel cars, they'll crumple. If you hit them right, you they'll crumple, but you can get out and walk away. You hit them wrong, and they'll explode. Well, yeah, because that like the gas tanks were the more mm-hmm. secure. And back then, if the so like Volvo was actually the one who solved this. Volvo designed their engines to drop on impact. Like no matter where the impact comes from, they drop, so they go under the passenger or under the um, the people in the car. Whereas most cars back then, you may not get you may not get hurt by the actual impact, but if the engine gets jarred, it can come into the cab and it can take out the people in the middle, right? That way. So, and that's when like that back then, seatbelts were actually far more harmful because it pinned you into the car. It's easier just to get out, right? But now, like the safety measures are all inside the car because we make the car itself out of bubbles. I still can't wait for uh, the the foam release, like in Demolition Man. I don't know that we're gonna. I don't think that we're gonna make it to Demolition Man. I feel like we're in Demolition Man, but we're heading to the Hunger Games. Oh man, we're if on we're... our way to the Hunger Games, and then the Hunger Games is just the next stop on our way to Elysium. Because I think that Musk is trying to get to Mars and he won't make it. And he'll be like, fuck it. And he'll build like an Alita battle angel kind of city up in the sky. Uh, that That's what I feel like that's what we're for. Da- that's for damn point. sure. That's what the there was a, a, a news report a while back where there was like there was a meeting held by a whole bunch of extremely rich people. And they were trying to figure out a way how to make their security personnel extremely loyal through either drugs or robotics to the point where once our resources start drying up, they're the ones that want to survive, but they don't want their underlings to like overthrow them. So how can they get them subservient to them without overthrowing them at any point? I mean, so tale is old as time. Really that's been happening since serfs and feudalism. Like that's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And don't and- try and buy stocks. Nope. <laughs> no stocks for you. You get one. You get one stock. Us rich folks, we can buy as many stocks as we want. You get one stock. 
Fuck Robin Hood. It reminds me of Chris Rock. I'm going to get you, sucker. He was like, how about you just put it in my hand? How about you give me one rib? How about one rib? And they're like, you got changed for 100. If you don't get your ass. Did anybody pick that movie for Black History Month? No. Uh, (laughs) No. I might have to watch that and come back. Ah, I love that movie because it's so damn stupid. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, the big two. Oh man. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Oh, he got he got fish in his shoes. Oh, the fish dead. What happened? Gold. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a movie making fun of black people. Like black people making fun of ourselves. Like that's (laughs) wasn't that one of the Wayne's brothers that made that movie? Um one of the Wayne's brothers was in it, but Mm -hmm. I don't think. Was it was it a, a uh, was it his movie? No, I think that was Robert Townsend, wasn't it? You're right, that was Robert Townsend. But one of, but the oldest Wayne's brother, uh, I can't remember his name, but the oldest one was in it. Right. But yeah, that was a Townsend. Like, oh man, there nobody picked any Townsend movies. Like, how do we not have Hollywood Shuffle? I oh. I didn't think about. It. I I went to when you say movie, like you know, pick pick a movie, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, The Last Dragon, my favorite movie of all time. I could definitely talk about that. You're like black people, but I was gonna do 28. Okay, I'm not anymore. <laughs> That's off the table. What's um, that? Uh, 28 episodes for February. I was gonna do one. Oh. I was gonna release mm. one episode a day, and right. that did not work because just scheduling became a nightmare. Too many people have rescheduled or canceled and all kinds of crap. And I normally have just one guest host, and my other three are the same three dudes, but they're right. three white boys. So you know they well, got the month you, off <laughs> uh, <laughs> you need some flavor for your podcast baby i got you i hello i'm still black i know a lot oh, of people do. don't think that but well, i am and and that's what i love about the last dragon you could there's plenty ways to be black not just your stereotypical ways and that's why i love the movie so much yes you know, you have you have a regular degular black dude that got into Kung Fu and he's, he's way more part of that culture than the stereotypical American black culture. I love it. It made me, you know, a six-year-old Nimbus feel like I could be what I want to be and I don't have to conform to these social norms. It's a beautiful thing. I didn't see it as a kid. So I, well, if I did, like, I think I did, but I don't, I don't really remember it. Right. Um, I probably saw it like on HBO or some shit, but yeah, I didn't. There's this, there's a story that uh, I heard about. Um, do you watch Star Trek at all? Have you seen Star Trek? No, I, really? I watched Star Trek episodes on TV as a kid, mm-hmm. but that was it. Like I've never seen to me. Star Trek is one show from the sixties that had like the black chick, uh-huh. Leonard Nimoy and uh, what's his name? William Shatner. Like right. that's um, Star Trek. And like, so the fact that there's this like entire universe of Star Trek things, mm-hmm. like Deep Space Nine and all this other shit and like all the movies. And I'm like, nope. See, let me now let me blow your head through the back of your skull. OK, oh, that um, was quite graphic, quite. <laughs> I can get more graphic if you want now. No, nope, but we're good. <laughs> um, as far as Star Trek is concerned, one of the things that made me the one of the things that made me proud to be a black person and especially be a black nerd is Ohura, the black chick that was on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. She was going to quit the show. She wasn't, she wasn't happy. She wanted to do different things. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King called her 
and asked her to stay on the show because at the time, the only black people that were on TV at all were either slaves or the help. So Martin Luther King recognized that uh, Ohura being on TV is a positive thing for black culture, mm-hmm. right? I heard that and I welled up with tears because here I am, you know, uh, young Nimbus Shosh getting bullied at school because I'm into, you know, anime, video games and all kinds of nerdy stuff or whatever. And Martin Luther King was a Trekkie. <laughs> you know, yeah, Martin, Savion talked about that. You know, it's, Savion, it, I think it's it was a beautiful thing. It Again, another another thing that made me proud to be black and the fact that you can be more than one type of black and still retain your blackness. It's a beautiful thing. But as far as uh, Star Trek, the next generation, the first season, garbage. All right. There's there's one episode with space Africa. <laughs> All right. It's called Code of Honor. Space it's Africa. It, it's one of the worst episodes of Star Trek ever. OK. And, and I. If you ever watch it, you'll know exactly why I call it Space Africa. It's terrible. But when Riker grows his beard, Commander Riker, he's like the second in command of the, the Enterprise. Once Riker grows his beard, I guarantee you, you're going to be hooked on that show. And when you get to Deep Space Nine with uh with Captain Sisko, the black captain, it, it, you're going to be hooked. The Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek in the franchise. You know, and any of the listeners listen to this, come fight me. We'll talk about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's what's the best series. You, you, Jackie, will love it. I'm telling you. Ooh. I'm telling you, you will absolutely love it. Those two, if you don't watch any other Star Trek, you watch those two series and you're going to get all kinds of nerd references. You're going to see all the references in other shows that relate to Star Trek. You're going to love Captain Picard. You're going to love Worf. You're going to love Jordy. Um, you're going to love Guinan, who, Guinan actually started acting because of Lieutenant Uhura, and you know she became an egot or whatever. And like I'm I said, not, uh, I'm not denying that if I were to watch it, I may get hooked. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's just that great. if in the May part. <laughs> so great, I'm telling you, but you got to get past that first season of the Next Generation and that first season of Deep Space Nine. Those those season trash but once commander Riker and once cisco grow their beards you're gonna be hooked i kind of i used to feel that way about agents of shield i was like Mm -hmm. look the first half of the first season sucks second half gets better and then from then on it just gets better every have every half season right up until season season six and then it's just not anymore i'm I'm sad too (laughs) i haven't i haven't finished agents 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 of shield but just say agents of shield I said Asians of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. <laughs> I swear to you, I'm sober. I, the only thing I've had is coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe a little too sober. Anywho. Um, okay. No. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Although mm-hmm. I will say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the one Marvel property that is that is the most Asian friendly because mm-hmm. the movies try to cater so much to the Chinese market that they don't have like all of the traditional comic book villains that were Asian, they make them white. Right. Ming the Merciless is the one I can remember. Who? Ming the Merciless? Ming the Merciless. When was Ming uh, the Merciless in MCU movie? Uh, isn't that like Iron Man's big bad guy? No, that's the that's the Mandarin. Right, right. That I'm mixing the two up. 
yeah, they keep doing that. And and so, but in Agents of Shield, they actually have like the two of the main characters are Asian. Agent May, played by Ming Nguyen, who is mm-hmm. awesome. Who is and um, Daisy slash Sky, played by Chloe Bennett. Asian? Daisy's Asian. Yeah. Well, okay. well, she's half she's half Asian, half white. Jaying, if you watched it, Jaying is. Wait, how far in are you? Because I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, she's. I, I don't remember. You so can, in the begin in the first season she's called Sky, uh-huh. and then in the second season she finds out her name is Daisy. Okay. And um, yeah. So, but she's played by Chloe Bennett. So. Okay. Yeah, and huh. they're like honestly, Agents of Shield as far as diversity is like perfect because it like showcases everybody. There are gay characters on there, and they're just characters like nobody gives a shit that they're gay. Right. And. It's just it, like it's everybody gets representation and it's not a big deal about anything because like it's not like, oh, you're black, you're Asian. No, it's like you're just you're an agent and you're there to do your job and then you do your job or you don't. Right. Um, my least favorite that's, character. Well, that's all we want. Is one of the black dudes. Just be regular, regular people, you know, put in extraordinary situations and. You know, because in real life, you're not going to be like, you know, oh, well, you're black and, you know, you work at the factory. Oh, you're 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 black and you're a CEO. Like, stop it. Just stop. Let us live our life. Represent us on TV. We want to see us on TV, too. But we don't want it to be a thing. You know, you don't have to spotlight it. Yeah. Like for me, um, the representation like you found in in The Last Dragon and in Aura. I found in Rudy. Right. On the Cosby show. Mm-hmm. That's why like I grew up watching the Cosby show and I was because again, she's a year younger than me. And her family structure is very similar to my family structure. The only difference is she has two extra sisters. Mm-hmm. But if you take away two of her sisters, that's my family. <laughs> so yeah, to that. We all had, we, I, I feel like, well, I, I can't say we all had something because not, we all didn't have something because the Cosby show was the first show, the first black TV show on TV uh, besides like good times and Sanford and son. Yeah. But they, well, they weren't, I mean, they're, they're family and then it's father and son, but they weren't like a family, like, you know what I mean? Like a full family. Right. Like, it was literally just father and son, but I mean like a family show where it's like a full family, like mom, dad, sister, brother, that whole, you know, everybody middle-class family, nuclear family structure. Right. And with Sanford and son, like they were both adults at fun times. Anywho, but not good times. That's, that was some depressing ass shit, man. And the jet, the Jeffersons, but the Jeffersons was too over the top because like George Jefferson was extremely capitalist. Right. Like villain capitalist, <laughs> like mm-hmm. to the point where like Wheezy had to like almost beat his ass every single episode and be like, quit being a damn Scrooge. He was the 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 mirror to Archie Bunker, yes. which is you know uh, that was a spinoff show. So yeah, he and um, over the top. Lenny Kravitz's mom is in that show, right? Not Archie Bunker, the Jeffersons. The Jeffersons. Yeah. Oh, and then two two seven. Almost forgot about that. <laughs> There were a lot of black shows. On. Yeah, well, I don't. Two two seven wasn't a spinoff of a uh, of the Jeffersons. Two two seven was his own entity. Yeah, but, I know. But I was thinking of like black shows that were on when I was a kid. Right, and uh, I 
I forget her name. But she, she was no, it was a spinoff because she was the same character. Um, was she? The yeah, the um, the maid. I'm pretty sure she played the same character. Now I have to look that shit up. I don't think so. I'll, I'll think look it up. But I don't the same think character. So. We'll definitely have to look it up. If, if, if people in listening land can look that up for us, let us know. People in listening land. <laughs> who, who, what do you What do you call your listeners? Uh, Bill and Ted. Like they're only like <laughs> I don't have that many. Like Joe and John. I don't even know. <laughs> At some point, you're going to get a whole bunch of listeners, and you're going to have to call them something. And it's going to sound real stupid. <laughs> like I don't have very, I don't have a whole bunch of listeners on my podcast either. But I still, you know, they still my people now. Um, and at some point, I'm going to have a fuckload of people on my podcast and I'm going to get canceled by the left for something. And that's how I know I'm going to be successful. <laughs> You're like, I just got canceled. Yay. Mm-hmm. OK, so it's not a spinoff because her character was named Mary in 227 and mm-hmm. she was Florence Johnson right. in the Jefferson. So it's not you right. <laughs> Mary. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what happened to Jack A. Jack A. Harry. She's still kicking, probably still making shit. Um, I forgot the daughter's name on that show, but she's one of my favorite, favorite actresses and of uh, voice actresses. And I forget her name. She played on The Watchmen. Regina King. Regina Regina King is a national treasure. I love her. <laughs> I love her. She's I mean, she's cute, but she is. Oh I, I love I love Regina King. She she's the voice of Huey and Riley Freeman on the Boondocks. What else she played? She played. She won a, a Oscar not that long ago. But she is a national treasure. We need to protect her with all of our strength. She I love her. is the person who produced. I think she may have even directed it. Um, but she did One Night in Miami. That okay. was a movie I did with uh, Savion. I have to remind myself how to pronounce his name because I pronounce it wrong normally. So I'm like, Sab, save, Sab, savior, savior, savion. Sade. You know, her name is actually supposed to be pronounced Sade, like with an R. What? I'm like, there's no R in there. Apparently that's the pronunciation. It's Sadie, baby. We we understand. (laughs) Okay. So Jack A. Harris, I really, really, really hate her name Mm -hmm. because my name is Jack E. And (laughs) back then people would be like, Jack A. And I'm like, nope. Try again. There's an E. Again, that's why nobody knows my government. <laughs> so speaking of governments, she has the same one as mine, but her mm-hmm. middle name is my sister's middle name. Mm. That's is that who you were named after? No, you were. And you no, were, no. Why would I be named after old. an actress? No, she yeah. she was present. Here's another interesting fact. Her years active starts the year I was born. Mm-hmm. It's getting a little creepy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> She's got my exact first, my my full first name, my sister's middle name. She was present. Her years active start the year I was born. She was born three days after my brother. Okay, I'm going to stop looking at this. It's getting a little freaky. Next thing you know, it'll be like, and she's your cousin. Like, what? That's all right. Janet Jackson is my cousin. Ms. I Jackson found that out. Be nasty. Yeah. Found it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had I had a big old crush on her too, and finding out we're related, ugh, so mad, so. Uh, mad. I've never had that problem. The last dragon, not to the be confused with the dragon. black dragon. The black dragon. So, um, what else? Uh, we never talked about. We never really told the story. So, the mm-hmm. story itself is pretty much a simple like martial arts movie story, which is there's this dude. This this villain named Shonuff who comes in and he's like, yo, 
I'm the biggest and the baddest. Fight me. And or like, I'm the biggest and the baddest and everybody knows it. And then this kid in the audience in the movie theater was like, no, you're not. That dude can beat your ass. Well, it turns out it was his little brother who was saying that. And mm. the dude he was talking to just so happens to be now he doesn't call himself a martial arts master because he is currently looking for a martial arts master to give him the last dragon. And what is the last dragon? The last dra- the there are these like dragon symbols that are essentially just patches for his gi. And um, his instructor is like, "All right, you've got everything down. You don't." And he took the patch off of him. He's like, "You don't need this anymore." And so homeboy starts freaking out like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. And he's like, no, 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 no. And his instructor is essentially trying to say, you have transcended. You have everything you need to know. But he is not getting it because he is trying. He's like, who do I go to? Who is my master? And I think that's kind of an interesting thing, too. Like a Mm -hmm. black person searching for a master. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're your own master. Which which is pretty cool. Kind of a metaphor of you have your own identity. You know, you you have everything you need to transcend to the final level. And this guy doesn't understand. And it almost feels to me like the, the maker of this movie is trying to tell us, the audience, that you have everything you need to have your own identity. You don't have to emulate anyone else. You don't have to borrow from any anyone else. You have your own identity. You have your own culture. Go find it. Go manifest it. And it's a beautiful sentiment to me. And that's what I think the whole, the overall movie is about finding yourself and hooking up with the hot girl and absolutely hooking up with the hot girl. <laughs> Gotta do it. You like how, like you get all philosophical and shit. I just throw that mm-hmm. in there. And then you throw a wrench in it. And then I say something <laughs> even nasty and you're like, okay. <laughs> I love a low dynamic. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, um, all right. You want me to pick up on it? Go. All right. So, uh, in the movie theater, you know, uh, it seems like Shonuff's main motivation is he wants to be the biggest and baddest mofo low down around this town. But the person that's standing in the way of that is Bruce Leroy. He wants to have the, the baddest reputation in town. And just like, you know, the old Chinese Kung Fu movies, he feels like his honor is has been slighted because he's not the biggest and the baddest because people still think that Bruce Leroy, Leroy Green can kick his ass. So that's his main motivation in the movie. But then you're introduced to Eddie Arcadian, who pretty much is is the big bad of the movie. Show enough, show enough steals the show, obviously. But you have Eddie Arcadian who wants to build his arcade empire, which that dates the movie as well. When the last time you've been to an arcade, he wants to build his arcade empire. And in order to do that, he wants to get a meeting with Laura Charles, the love interest. So he's devising a way to kidnap Laura Charles. But in a chance meeting, Leroy Green, Bruce Leroy, intervenes and stops her from getting kidnapped. And that gets the ball rolling as far as the plot is concerned. Yes. So there are two antagonists. You've got mm-hmm. the classic antagonist, which is like the guy you fight, which mm-hmm. is uh, show enough. Which is so ridiculous. Like every time I say that, I'm like, ugh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> and and then you have the uh, short dude. Uh, Eddie Arcadian. Eddie Arcadian, who uh, 
he's just he's such a weasel he's like oh shit to his girlfriend and i like how she eventually figures out like wait a minute (laughs) and getting by all night tits yeah because in one scene he tells her because okay the whole thing the whole reason why he wants uh vanity is to force her to put the girl his girlfriend on tv Mm-hmm. And he's all pissed off that she said no, but it had nothing to do with the girlfriend. It's just the fact that she said, like, how dare you? Right. And the girlfriend is like, in the beginning, she's all, oh, he's doing this for me. And then when she realizes that he's going to kill, um, that he intends to kill Leroy, because by now he has thwarted his attempts at kidnapping her like three times. Right. And he's like super pissed because he's like, how dare he? And when she realizes that, like, he's hired this, like, ghetto mob to try (laughs) to take down Bruce Leroy, she's like, oh, no, like, you're doing all this for me. Like, okay, can you not? Because I don't want anybody to die. Like, it's not that big a deal. I don't Mm. even really care anymore. And then he reveals, like, okay, but I don't really care what you think because this never had anything to do with you. He doesn't say that. My empire and you're the key to doing that. Right. And he doesn't like he doesn't say like he doesn't care, but she figures it out. And she was like, you know what? I'm starting to think this never had anything to do with me. Like, yeah, you ran on that one. (laughs) He's the type of person that uses the people around him to get what he wants. Yep. And she finally figures it out and goes to warn the protagonist far too late. But at least she's able to warn his student, which is hilarious because there's this kid who thinks, oh, I'm Asian. So all I have to do is fake like I know Kung Fu and I'll never have to actually fight anybody. Exactly. That was his. You tell us to master the art of fighting without fighting. Well, I master the art of fighting without actually knowing how to fight. (laughs) exactly is not that's not at all what he meant like that's not that's Mm -hmm. the complete opposite he meant learn but don't do it exactly and he (laughs) got his ass busted several times trying to do that yes yes um so then to fast forward a little bit because that's pretty much like that's the majority of the movie right there yeah you you jumped completely from the beginning to the end (laughs) almost to the end well, because, I mean, you could pretty much sum up everything that happens in the middle by, like, it happens again, it mm-hmm. happens again. Because, <laughs> like, right. like, show well, enough just keeps showing up and wrecking that shit. And... Realize that he's falling in love, but he he loses the medallion to give to some dumb boy, which is the, the master that he's trying to seek, and goes on this adventure, bumps into Laurel Charles, and gets embroiled in this, you know, power grab of Eddie Arcadian trying to uh, further his brand. And meanwhile, show enough is trying to find Bruce Leroy to fight him. And Bruce Leroy more or less avoids him. And he starts attacking like his students, his family and all that stuff going on. It's definitely in the vein of the classic Kung Fu movie, the big bad going around wanting to be big and bad and doesn't really care about anything else. I absolutely love the mom because yeah. 
First of all, that is a black mom. Like what black mom is like, you threaten either of her boys. She's going to do what she, if she only has dough, she's going to throw it in your face. Like she's going to do whatever she can. That was hilarious. I loved it. And she, and like the dad was like trying to stop her. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, he just threw my boy in a trash can. She starts grabbing shit off the wall. (laughs) She's going to kill him. She's going to try herself. Like she didn't have any kind of fight skills. That didn't matter. (laughs) My mom would do the same thing. That's what I'm saying. Like that, I feel like that's like that is stereotypical black mom. Like, like, oh, you just threatened one of my kids? Uh-uh. I'm like, like, what's what's the closest thing I have? You give me your shoe. <laughs> just, like, take anything and we'll try to beat your ass. And she, if he hadn't held her down, like, I kind of want to see that fight. Because <laughs> she was pissed. Uh-huh. She throwing she threw dough at him like four times. <laughs> She literally scrapped. I love how when he first comes in, she grabs the like she had the um the paddle because they were uh-huh. putting dough, you know, pizzas in the oven. And he threatens her son, he threatens the oldest son. She grabs that paddle, she's gonna use it like a baseball bat. And like the dad's like, No, 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 absolutely love that was my favorite part. She's <laughs> like, I'm gonna kill all y'all. That's a good lovely they still inject black culture in there because what black mama is about to hop a counter and beat the stank out you for threatening this son? absolutely like i but say you my know, mom that also <laughs> follows the um the chinese movie trope because they used to do they did that in that too right like the um i can't remember the name of it because i keep i never remember names but there was a movie that i watched with uh bruce lee I think it was once upon a time in China where it was like he and his mom and you don't know that his mom knows martial arts until like a, a little ways into the movie. Cause like at first it's just like, you know, a couple other people fighting and like Jet Li doesn't even really fight that much. And then he gets into a couple skirmishes. And then one time somebody like was going to fight him and his mom just starts whooping their ass. <laughs> it's just like, that's my son. <laughs> oh, and then there's this like, there's this part where they use dim mock. To, to stop him and to like freeze him. And it was so funny because like they would do it to her and she couldn't move. And then he would run over and then like do the reverse to like unfreeze her. And she'd start what? beating on people and then they'd do it to him. And then he couldn't move and she'd have to run over and do it to him. And it was just like back and forth. It was hilarious. <laughs> it actually reminds me of Kung Fu Hustle. The mom yes, was the most that, badass yeah. person in that movie. Yep. The the wife with the cigarette butt sticking out of her, out her mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the rollers. Yep. Yep. The punchline is don't mess with moms. Don't mess with mama. Yeah. Cause like that mama bear thing. <laughs> exactly. You go after but, her kids, <laughs> you might not make the, it home. The, the point of that scene was uh it enraged uh like because he wasn't there to protect his family because he's going off trying to find himself. Yeah. You know, so he feels like he caused that destruction. That's like straight out of any like Bruce Lee or Jet Li movie as well. Right. Because the, the thing that I, that I got after that was that throughout the movie up to that point, he had had really good form. But then when he get pissed, when he got pissed off, he went back to the dojo and his form was shit. He was just randomly hitting shit. And right. I was just like, that does not look like a master. That looks like just some dude hitting the bag that's like never boxed before. He, he wasn't focused. He wasn't. Yeah. He completely lost his focus. So um, that's another thing that's again another trope of you know the old school Chinese movies of like they try to get under your skin. You know, you have the solemn guy who's like the the Zen master, and then they try to get under his skin, they try to get under his skin, and then when they do get under his skin, his training goes to shit. 
Right. And then he has to kind of look back inside and calm back down. And then he reaches another level. And that's pretty much what happened here. His training went to shit. He had to look inside. He realized like, oh, I am the master. Everything was inside of me. And then he gets the soul glow, which just reminded me of coming to America and the Jerry Curls. And the Jerry Curls. Yes. It also didn't help that he had like a tight afro and his hair got wet in that moment. And so, like, he comes up with the soul glow, and he's got, you know, the loose afro, which looks very reminiscent of a jerry curl. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's coming to America all over again. Yeah, like I said, you skipped to the 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 climax of the movie because they had they had you skipped the the big fight. There was a huge, huge fight at the end again, reminiscent of a lot of Shaw brother movies. Where like you know you had one gang going after like the plucky villagers that were defending their their village or or whatever it was or the Buddhist monks um, protecting their monastery and you know you have the ghetto gang that you talked about earlier and Show uh, Shownuff's gang which we didn't which we didn't mention that was a colorful cast of characters and they all like going going to town on Leroy and then Leroy's students come in and it's a big old brawl of not well choreographed at all, but I mean, it's a bunch of kids fighting a bunch of henchmen and it's hilarious and it's awesome. And Ernie Reyes Jr. is one of them. And Ernie Reyes Jr. has like some of the best scenes, best fight scenes in there. It's great. It's yep. awesome. If you want to see any of his earlier works, The Last Dragon is one of them. It's, yeah, I didn't realize he was awesome. in that until I saw him. I was like, hey, that's him. Exactly. That's cool. <laughs> He's the reason why I watch. I think it was what three ninjas. He, no, he wasn't in three ninjas. He was in Surf Ninjas. That's yeah, the main he, reason I watch. Always in quality content. So what else? <laughs> um, so you have the last battle where Eddie Arcadian drags Laura Charles to a different different area, kind of like a more secluded area, and everything's dark and whatnot. And we're gonna skip the Richie parts and everything like that. And he has his final battle with Shonuff. It's a back and forth battle. Shonuff seems to have the upper hand. But Bruce Leroy uses like stealth or whatever, surprises him and knocks him out. And you think the battle's over. He's like, Leroy. And he disappears, pops back up. And now his hands are glowing with like with red static energy. And he starts beating the ever loving stank out of Leroy. And it's this is, you know, every Bruce Lee movie ever. Yep. (laughs) Because Dragon Ball stole the shit out of it. It, he has to the main character has to like he he has to seem like he's got a chance and then he needs to just almost die mm-hmm. and then he comes back <laughs> but he's got to get back. he's got to get to the point of death and then he unlocks the the treasure within and then he comes out but he can't like he can't just like beat him and win. Like you always get that false thing where like he knocks the main, you know, he knocks the big guy down and you're like, and he even thinks like, Oh, thank goodness. It's over. Like that. This is every Bruce Lee movie and last dragon. Right. And then, you know, you, they go to walk away and then maybe they throw something at him or like break something over him or something. And in this case, he just yells Leroy, but there's always some kind of thing to let you know, like, Oh, this isn't done. You literally just knocked me down, but now I'm going to kill you. And then they get up and they have whatever power it was. You know, the the antagonist has whatever power it was that the protagonist Mm was hoping to gain. Right. And yeah, in this case, it's Afro Glow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Glow! Right? And then... 
And um and you know the, then the Dragon Ball Z part actually kicks in where mm-hmm. you've got just the like the dude's dunking his head in a barrel yeah. of water, just a random ass barrel of water. No, no, no telling how long it's been in that rust ass battle. Ill yuck. And like <laughs> Bruce Leroy is like beaten up, bloodied, you know, and he gets his head like dunked in the water, whatnot. And he starts to remember what everything was telling him, and he finally fucking gets it. You sure yeah. do look like, like a master. We got dude. it in the first. It is there and only there that you will find the master you seek. And then he gets it, and then he pops up fresh. He pops up fresh as if he never got touched and whatnot. Got that and Jerry Curl juice. Exactly, <laughs> the Jerry Curl juice just a glistening. And <laughs> and uh, showing up is like, who's the one and only master? I am. And he's like, what? I am. And like, he goes to punch him and he catches his, his fist and he starts glowing and he turns. Very Neo with the Matrix. That's another movie they yep. kind of took from this. When, uh, when he was exact waving his hands around, you know, that was the same Bruce that Lee. Was from, that, uh, from that was from what? Chinese Connection? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And starts whooping the shit out of show enough power flying from his fist and he kicks him into the water, saves his life, makes sure he doesn't die, saves his life, and he wins that fight. And then Eddie Arcadian pops out with a gun, which, by the way, throughout this whole movie, he's the only one with a gun. You know, the, the whole movie would have ended real early if everybody would have had guns. <laughs> but luckily, they didn't. Eddie Arcadian pops out with a gun. It's like, I'm going to put an end to this kung fu crap. Okay, but that's shoots- a, another thing you have to remember. Like, in 85... The only people who really had guns were either people who needed it for work, like police officers or like hunters. The or right. like because even like gang members, they like their big thing was a knife, you know, or right. chains. They didn't like in 85. That was very few. Very few gangs had guns that I feel like that didn't happen until the 90s. Right. Right. Like I up to that point, because like a lot more accessible. Well, look at Thriller, like even Thriller, when the gangs go, you know, start to pop off, aside mm-hmm. from the fact that they're dancing, they would have Jerry Curls in there, too. Right. Well, it was the 80s again. Like This, this is the actual 80s. OK, it's not the right. fake 80s. It's not the right. Wonder Woman 1984 bullshit. It's actual 80s, like real 80s. And um, what do they do when they're like when they're going to fight? And it's like, oh, I got you. They pull out a switchblade. Yep. That was the weapon, like a switchblade or a chain. Or like a two by four, like whatever you could pick up. Those were the weapons of like the inner city back then. Now, yeah, Mm -hmm. everybody does gangs. But like, I don't ever remember hearing about things like a drive-by shooting until like the late, like mid to late 90s. Right. So at this point, yeah, very few people had guns. We weren't like every other citizen had one. (laughs) Like like right now. That was the big, that was like the big equalizer from the big bad. You know, he had a gun. Holy shit. You know, I guess that would be like, you know, them pulling out a crossbow in like an early Chinese movie or whatnot. But like he has him dead to rights and Eddie Arcadian actually shoots Bruce Leroy uh-huh. and then rolls him over. We all know where first this is of going. All, first of all, it's stupid because you're always supposed to check the pulse. And by check the pulse, I mean, you keep firing until you know they're dead. <laughs> I was going to say, if you are dealing with, if you know anything about mm-hmm. like Chinese cinema, right? martial arts mm-hmm. cinema you do not approach the whole if you have a gun and you think you took them out you keep 
shooting because if you don't if you actually are stupid enough to walk up to them you deserve what happens next because the whole thing is you're like i can't beat you one-on-one so i'm smart enough not to go in like not to get in your proximity i'm gonna shoot you from out here so before you get into his proximity you keep shooting because if you don't you don't when you turn him over he's got the bullet in his teeth i learned i learned that from video games you don't you don't stop shooting until they the, the body disappears finish him exactly so what happened <laughs> so he shot him goes over to check the body come to find out bruce leroy caught the bullet with his teeth something that showed afro up glow. At the beginning of the movie <laughs> i'm just gonna call it afro sheen from now on afro <laughs> sheen. that jerry curl juice the glistening <sighs> <laughs> but Bruce Lee Roy caught the bullet with his teeth. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Proceeded to kick Eddie Arcadian's ass and strung him up on some chains so that he can get caught. And that was the end of the climax. You know, they, the, the police come and find Laurel Charles. You know, the gay guy goes, starts fixing her hair and everything. And then you get the last scene where everybody's like dancing Kung Fu style and whatnot. It's like Kung Fu night <laughs> or whatever. And um, then I don't know if you were aware, but everybody. Was mm-hmm. kung fu dancing? Every everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> I was so then, for that. <laughs> the Bruce Lee Roy shows up with like bouquet me. of flowers, and Laura Charles like, "That's my man. I love my man." And she goes to get her man. Fool walks in wearing a gi. He walks in wearing a white gi. Everybody went, and you know, when when black folks are prosperous, they wear all white. You already know the trope. But we doing Which good. Is funny but, because that's. That's funeral colors for like a lot of cultures. Really? Yeah. All white? Yeah. I was not aware of that. Yeah, like in India and I think a couple other Asian countries. All white is that's funeral colors. Like if you watch a Bollywood movie, you'll see that. Huh. I, I thought it was all black and a, a lot more cultures though, but That's America. That's an American thing. I think it's like mm-hmm. a that's like a western culture thing. Ah. And I know that there are some cultures where, like, for funerals, they, they're colorful because they like, okay. like, well, because, you know, you're in, like, Louisiana. So, you know, how, like, some people celebrate the dead. Yeah, we have jazz funerals. He, William H. Macy is in this. Oh, say word. Yes. Was that the, the, the white guy with the blonde hair? Yes. He was the guy okay. who, at the beginning, was trying to convince Vanity to have to, to watch the video to I put the girl on. Okay. Yeah. That um, makes sense. All about that. So, and, and that was the end of the last drag. He finds himself. He gets the girl. He gets the respect from uh, his little brother. You know, that's not a cornball. That's my brother. And he's the master. Yes. He gets the respect great, from his little brother. Man. He gets the girl in the end. And he gets the Afro Sheen. He gets, he still has the Afro Sheen. And, <laughs> and Laura Charles has still, still teased to the gods. Oh, and um, and show enough loses his. His turns into just little red sparkles. Yep, <laughs> his chi runs out. His chi shorts is out. Yes, this is very Iron Fisty. Yeah, me. but instead of fist, it's like whole body. It's Chinese, you know, this old Chinese movie. It's a love letter to Kung Fu theater. Indeed, and I loved every single minute of it. Even the horrible, like there was some awesome awesome music in it that, that i still listen to in my car on the way to work dude they, you know, they played the barge like come on <laughs> yes 
Yes, absolutely. I love that they play like almost the entire song too. Yeah, they, Barry. That was um, the reason why Barry Gordy financed that film was that it was a it was supposed to be like a big infomercial for his music, and a lot of the music on there did really well because of it. Oh my gosh, Barry Gordy! We're not even gonna get into that fool. Mm-hmm. The the movie it cost eleven million dollars to make, and it returned thirty three million in the box office. So it was wow. a box office profit. Yeah, it was a success. you know. It was only spent twelve dollars in in promotion. <laughs> right now, the, the the messed up thing about uh, about that afterwards was Ty Mock wanted to do a three movie deal. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't. Uh-huh. He felt like you know he felt like he wanted to be a leading man. And you know how Hollywood is. You only get one black leading man at a time. Okay, uh-huh. you know Denzel Washington, Will Smith. Uh, you know you you get it. Uh, Sidney Poitier. So you only get one at a time. This dude was trying to make big movie deals and they just fit, They just thought that he was just some side character, movie schlock actor. So they never got around to making another uh, The Last Dragon. He wanted to make it a franchise. He wanted to be a franchise player and they didn't want to give him the money that he felt like he deserved. And he definitely deserved it. But yeah. it didn't pan out that way. That kind of so, sucks because I feel like this would have been a cool trilogy, you know. There would have been an, an awesome franchise, yeah. You know, and I would have I would have loved to see. And they they were talking about remaking the movie, which would have been stupid. And with the remake of the movie, they were going to cast Samuel L. Jackson as Show Enough, and they were going to cast the uh, I'd never seen Twilight. Well, I'd never seen Twilight without like riff tracks or the nostalgia on well, the nostalgia critic ragging on it, but. Whoever that werewolf dude was in Twilight. He's not even black. He was going to be Bruce Leroy. Really? Taylor Lautner? They were going to cast him to be Bruce Leroy. Okay. But negotiations fell through. So wait, when was this? But they were going to have Sam Jackson be show enough? They were were talking about having Samuel L. Jackson be show enough. This was in the early 2010s. They were talking about remaking the movie. Samuel L. Jackson was too old by then especially to go up against a teenager like mm-hmm. these two characters in the movie are similar in age like Shonuff is older but not like his father older i mean actually Shonuff was like in his late 40s early 50s when he when he did that role no he wasn't was he really yeah, i think so like you can look i don't think up. he was that old yeah julius carey was born in 52 mm-hmm. this came out in 84 Five. Uh huh. Eighty-five minus fifty-two. He was thirty-three. Like I said, I was wrong about that, but yep. Time Up was nineteen. Yeah. When that movie so again, like I said, he was older than him, but not old enough to be his dad. You're right. Yep. <laughs> so, and but Sam was Jackson, really like Sam Jackson in two thousand twenty ten, was like in his like late forties, early fifties, and Taylor Lautner was like nineteen. Mm-hmm. that's what i mean like it was literally like that would literally be father son age right i still kind of think that samuel jackson could have pulled it off because he was still pretty athletic you know he was still doing he was doing action movies back then. what was that formula 15 it was a movie where he wore the kilt and he made like a bunch of chemicals that exploded or something yeah i know what you're talking about of course formula 51 formula 51 okay there you go so any last words on the last dragon well First of all, I think that uh, every kid should see The Last Dragon. You know, it is it's still a family movie, even though they have some some curse words in there or whatnot. But I think like, 
you know, once once they're like 10 or whatever, you need to show them the movie. Uh, especially, I love how you're saying once they're 10 when neither of us were 10. Right, right, right. I mean, we were, you know, we were kind of young. And back then, some of those words were completely acceptable. All yeah. of those words were completely <laughs> acceptable back right. then. It was, a, it was a different time back then. But like, yeah, you, you show you, it's a family movie and whatnot. It's funny. It's awesome. It's really entertaining for what it is. You know, like I said, don't go in there thinking you're going to, you're going to see uh, Godfather part one or anything like that. But it's a, a great, awesome movie. You should definitely watch it. It made me proud to be, it made me proud to be black, just in general. And it made me proud to be a black nerd, you know, because it was just, it was regular people being put in extraordinary situations and they didn't make their blackness a big deal. You know, it's great. You love martial art movies. You love anime, anything like that. You, you love 80s uh 80s music 80s r&b go watch the go watch uh the last dragon i was about to call it the black dragon again yes i concur it's a it's a fun film it has a predominantly black cast but it's not about them being black it's about the actual you know story of the movie and i also agree that it's a love letter to like the 60s and 70s chinese cinema all right, cool. Where can people find you? You can find me. My Twitter, my Twitter handle is at the Percy Podcast, T-H-E, Percy, P-E-R-C-Y, podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter there. I haven't, you know, written them all down. I'm I'm gonna be like Big Sister Jackie and get myself a nice fancy website to put all that on now. Very envious of that. But that's how you can find me on social medias. I'm the host with the most nimbushosh. And you can find me at the Percy Podcast on Twitter, on Anchor, on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. All right, cool. Thanks for coming and talking The Last Dragon with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime you want to chop it up. Or oh, what was that? What was that movie we'll talk about earlier? We talked about a lot of movies. You gotta, we talked the the, the, the Wayne's not the Wayne's brother movie. Oh, the, I'm gonna get you, sucker. We need to we need to uh, chop it up on that one. Okay. All right. Cool. If nobody else picks it, then yeah. No problem. All right, cool. If you like this episode, do us a favor. If you're listening through Apple, give us five-star rating or any other app. Drop us a like. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can hear new episodes when they come out. Thanks. Thanks.